Hey, podcast listeners, thank you so much for just taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to this episode today. Hey, I would love it if you would consider subscribing to this and also leaving a a rating and review. That would mean so much to me. Thank you, guys. Have a great rest of your day. Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Welcome to the High Velocity Radio Show, where we celebrate top performers producing better results in less time. Stone Payton, Lee Cantor here with you this afternoon. Of course, we couldn't get any of this done without our fearless producer, Katie Galley. It's going to be a fun show, Lee. A little bit later in the program, we are going to welcome back to the Business Radio X microphone, the PVA, Melissa Smith. She's been traipsing all over the world. She's going to get us caught up and I know share some insights with us uh, about how she can create time, and you can make more money. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. But first up on the High Velocity Radio Show this afternoon, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce owner and accredited financial counselor with MoneyPath. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Mr. Stephen Newland. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me today. Well, Stephen, can you share a little bit about MoneyPath? How are you serving folks? Sure. So what I what I primarily do is I work with people to essentially accomplish whatever financial goal they want to. Um, now I do that. Do, I, I do. Um, I don't do investments. I don't do insurance things like that. So I primarily focus on helping people pay down debt, get on a budget, track finances, track their expenses and income, and then um, you know just fi- if they want to build up an emergency fund or build a savings goal, that's what I'm there for and accountability. So you're not really. Um an investment advisor, but more so of just giving them the structure so that they can execute uh, an investment plan? That's absolutely right. So I, what, a good way to think about what I do is I help people find the margin each month so that I've set them up so they can go to a financial planner or a financial advisor, and then they're ready to go. And wh- what does that mean, find the margin? So you know what I've found in my work is a lot of people, the income that they bring in is just about equal with the expenses that they spend. No matter what income they bring in? It is. You would be surprised. I mean, I've met with doctors, lawyers, you name it, I've seen the income level. So you find that no matter if a person makes $20,000 a year, somehow they spend $20,000 and then five years later, they're making $50,000 and now they're spending $50,000. Yep. That is, it's sad, but it is very true. So that's not, an uncommon occurrence that happens with regularity. It does, yeah. Now, why? There's a lot. That's a great question. Um, you know, I think, especially with today's culture, and uh, you know, even just the rise of social media, we're getting everyone's perfect picture. So we're seeing when someone buys that, <laughs> right? <laughs> we're get to, yeah. we're putting our highlight reel out there, um, but but we're not seeing the 360 view. Um, we're only seeing your best. And so I'm comparing my whole view. My, I'm comparing my 360 view to your to your perfect picture that you're putting out there. And I think, well, why don't I have that HGTV perfect house? Or why don't I have that um, you know, brand new car, luxury car? Uh, what am I doing wrong? And so a lot of times people will make the decisions, um, not necessarily filtering it through a financial lens, but filtering it through a, well, they have it, so I like should have it. Like keep up with the Joneses. That's like, it. So. Yeah. Um, so you're seeing, I guess you're saying in social media, I have 20 friends and I see friend number one is in France and friend number two is at the 
at the Falcons game, and friend number three is having a fancy dinner somewhere. And in my head, I'm seeing, wow, all my friends are doing stuff, and I'm not seeing kind of the whole view of, well, this one friend that's in France, say, for eight years. I just see him in France, and then I'm just accumulating all these friends and seeing each one doing something, and I'm thinking I'm missing out. That's it. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Um, and, and I think that's human nature. You know, we, we oftentimes wonder, you know, why, how, how come I don't have that? Um, and so I think it's, it's perfectly normal. So then when you feel this pressure of um, like missing out on these things or keeping up with your friend's successes, then maybe you're going to, oh, well, I'll just put that on my credit card or, yeah, you know, I don't have the cash today, but on my credit card, I got space. So why don't I just throw that on there? That it ha- I deserve it. I've been working hard, and mm-hmm. I deserve it. You ever get you ever get that? We hear that a lot, and and, and an interesting response to that is, um, I mean, that's that's almost how a, a child responds, right? I mean, that that's the mindset yeah. of a of a, or a teenager uh-huh. or a child. Um, so it's interesting that we have that even as adults. So now, how did you get into this? Um, you know, he was it broke. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? So you got scar tissue? This is yeah. personal. Oh, yeah. This is very personal. So I. Uh, and I'll just tell kind of a brief story of, sure. of my own personal background with this. So in in college, I was a finance and accounting major, major and I knew everything about money. Obviously, obviously, you're 19 a major. and 20. <laughs> it's easy, <laughs> right? So and I and I was uh, graduating towards the end of the financial crisis. Um, you know, back in about a decade ago, and so I thought, you know what, I'm gonna and and, and so I, I got a lot of student loans out. Um, my parents they ended up getting divorced when I was in school, and so the financial footing of our uh, family just dropped, and so it was. It was left to me. We hadn't really planned well, and so I. It's really easy to get student loans as a as a student, believe it or not, and you don't always have to spend it on school. <laughs> so I really? learned that the hard really? way. Really? <laughs> yeah, they just cut you a check. And That's then it. Yeah, you use it how you see fit. Right. And you are nineteen, so you know exactly <laughs> how to spend money. Hundred percent. Right? <laughs> yeah. So what I did was I ended up getting. I had, I ended up. Graduating with about fifty five thousand dollars worth of debt. Fifty five thousand. Mm-hmm. That was ten years ago. Right or fifteen out of years ago. That was ten years. Ten Ouch. years ago. So, um, and I made some great mistakes. Yeah. I, I actually got. I remember talking to my mom on the phone. I, you know, I was, I think a junior at the time, and I got a one of my one of my biggest loans out, twenty five thousand dollars. And I told my mom, I said, I'm going to get an extra five thousand dollars out. I'm going to invest it. And I'm going to pay off my student loans by the time I'm done with school. Because how hard is it? Yeah. Right. Know? And the good news is I did that in early 2008. So that oh, worked out so really well. Did you invest in real estate? Uh, was yeah. a great time to invest in real estate. I, that, yeah, it's funny. I, I remember I remember, I invested in a bank stock and I woke up the next morning and it was bankrupt. And I was like, oh, that's how the stock market works. <laughs> now okay. I get it. Got it. Um, but anyway, so I came out of school and I realized just I felt the weight of that debt. And I didn't, I, I just knew that this wasn't right. This didn't feel right. I didn't want to feel like I had this weight. Um, did you get a job right out of school? I did. So I, I was an intern with um, Delta down here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and I got a full time job working um, actually in corporate finance. So here they at Delta. moved you from Ohio to? They did. Yep. Yep. So I grew up in Cincinnati, uh, went to the University of Cincinnati, came down here right after graduation, and I just put together a plan and I said, this, there has to be a better way. Um, I had a lot of friends that had said, you know, we're going to have student loans for 15, 20, you know, 25 years. And I thought, there's, there's no way, there's no way I want to live like that. Um, and so I just, I, you know, put together a plan. I got real intense about, I, I always had to have a roommate. I had actually had interns living with me in my like separate room. There was like three or four of us in this apartment that 
with a one bedroom. So you were a slumlord. <laughs> you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, and I lived down near the airport. It's close to work. The rent was a little more affordable. And so I just, like I said, put together this plan and I kept my expenses very low. And you were a man on a mission. I right? was. So I was. You were like, I'm knocking this debt down by mm-hmm. any means necessary. And mm-hmm. I don't mind sacrificing today for a better tomorrow. Yeah. But I would say that intensity came about two years into the, into the program or into my, my journey of it. Um, it took me about four years in total to pay off $55,000. And over the course of that time, I was making anywhere from 42000 to about 55000 mm-hmm. So That's incredible that you were able to do it that. You must have become very disciplined. I did. Yeah. Over time. And it's interesting. It's, um, I always like to relate money back to like weight loss and things like that. But, um, you lose the first pound, you find this motivation to say, Oh yeah, I can do, I can do another kale salad each week. I'm good. I don't need that. I don't, I don't need to do another burger. And it's just one of those things that happens when you start seeing the progress. You're like, I, yeah, I've got this. I like that feeling better than the alternative. Now, how did the pivot change from your career like you were in i guess finance but mm-hmm. in a corporate setting and then mm-hmm. this uh this environment now where you're like you know what i'm going to coach other people i'm going to help other businesses and and mm-hmm. just regular folks to get out of debt and to kind of get their financial house in order yeah so when i left the, my corporate job i it was actually my last paycheck um one of my last paychecks at my corporate job was was the last loan payment that I made, mm-hmm. and I knew the trajectory traje- trajectory of that, and so I knew that I could take an income hit because I didn't ha- I wasn't paying out for five six hundred dollars like a paid. month, right? Exactly. Like, yeah, I got like, a raise right away. Right. Um, and so that led me to just to seek out. You know what? Let me use this time in my life. I've got uh, I can take a pay cut. I've reduced my expenses substantially. Let me just try something that I really want to do. And throughout the time, um, I was paying off my own debt. I was helping coach people through a nonprofit here in Buckhead, uh, mm-hmm. down in Buckhead. Um, so I had been on my own journey, but I was also helping people explore how to do a budget and things like that uh, at the same time. And that was rewarding for you personally because yeah. it was probably helping you stay compliant because you were helping and teaching others. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And um, I, you know, I couldn't wait to get off work to go do that for free. Mm-hmm. And right. I just loved it. And, and I, you know, had a lot of friends and family kind of knew the journey I was on. They reached out to me for help. And I just thought every time I talked to somebody about personal finance and really budgeting and debt, I just, I loved it. My face lit up. And so I transitioned. I knew there was an opportunity at the church that I attended uh, in Buckhead. And uh, they had one specific staff position just to help people in the church with their financial education program. And so I said, I first saw the salary and I was like, mm, I don't know if I can if I can do that. And then I was like, you know what, just go. And um, that was about four years ago. And ever since, I haven't looked back, and I've just enjoyed every, you know, every interaction that I've had with people. Now, how did you go? Um, just when you're in this line of work, you're you're working with people, a lot of people who don't have a lot of money and are feeling a lot of financial pressure, mm-hmm. but you have to charge them something in order for you to keep doing what you're doing. So how do you kind of navigate that? Seems like kind of almost a moral dilemma in some regards. Yeah, it's that's a great point. And and there are a lot of nonprofit programs out there that do offer this at a discount or, you know, even for free. Um, what I've seen is a good is a good way to approach people with this is to say, look, if you haven't tracked your expenses or if you haven't really paid attention to this, 
I I can probably help you find some habits and some disciplines pretty quick within the within at least a meeting or two that can save you more than the fee that you're paying me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's pretty. I actually saw a stat. There's a study done, and I think it was YNAB is a popular budgeting app, and they actually said for someone who who isn't doing a budget and then they go to doing a budget. So the you know from one month to the next, they say it's actually a two hundred dollar uh, on average net gain from month to month. Um, just by doing the act, taking the action of writing things down. Just doing a budget, yeah. So just the fact that we're paying attention to it, it was a $200 average change Wow, for the better. So is that usually one of the first steps? Is that, you know, you can't um, improve what you don't measure. You got to write some stuff down. Yeah, every every client that I work with is a little different, obviously. Um, but it it really starts with, Okay, do you have a budget? And if not, let's just get it all on paper. And um, but honestly, the what I tell people is even more important than doing a budget at first is just tracking expenses. So we've got to get the actual, like what's reality. And but then can't let's you just look at the your bank statement? Yeah, yeah. But so what I what I tell clients is this is an emotional exercise. So when you write down or you have to acknowledge somewhere, either on paper or on a spreadsheet, that I'm spending money here. Something funny happens and you start to re- think through your priorities. Do I want to spend this money here? I, again, I use the food example. I did this with calories one, uh, one year and I probably need to do it again. Um, <laughs> um, but what I did was there was this little chocolate drawer at work and I noticed that I started tracking it. And the first week I had maybe three or four like, of those little minis every day. The next week I knew that, okay, I've got to write this down. I don't want to have to show anybody this and acknowledge that I'm actually eating this much chocolate. So I've reduced it to like one a day or even mm. sometimes none. So I, that same principle applies to finances and to money. So this conversation that you began to describe, it sounds straightforward enough. I think I can get my mind wrapped around it. If you're having a conversation with Katie Galley, our producer, she's not married. Mm. She calls her own shots. You know, Lee and I are married. Mm-hmm. So, do you have these conver- you have these conversations with married couples who, by definition, this might not be a superpower for either or both, and not mm-hmm. a strong part of their marriage. Mm-hmm. God love you. Or do you also have like degrees in counseling? <laughs> yeah. So, I d- I do not have a degree in counseling. I have I'm an accredited financial counselor, and as a part of that certification, you're required to learn some basic counseling techniques and some you know just communication techniques, but. You know, it's funny. I, I really enjoy working with couples, but there, there is an added dynamic when there's when there's another personality and another uh, ego or another opinion in the room. And it might be priorities. It's like one person might say, look, paying down debt is super important because I can't yeah. breathe with this debt. And the other one's like, look, you only live once. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> that's true. I mean, and oftentimes what I've seen and, and, you know, you always hear opposites attract and you're like, is that just a cliche? But in my work, I the vast majority of time, spenders marry savers, and and it just and that and it helps, you know. That helps. I'm so I'm a saver, and I my wife would probably say, and I'd probably agree with this. Coming into marriage, you know, I would only go out if I actually if I absolutely needed to, or if I really wanted to do something. Um, so I would just be a homebody, and I would never spend money, and that was some of that's fear based. Like I didn't want to spend because I wanted to just hoard it and save it. Um, whereas the opposite with her, she would always want to spend money. So I helped bring her kind of more towards the middle. She helped bring me out of the cave and actually have a life a little bit. <laughs> so I see that as like a good, um, you know, it helps bring you back to the middle. 
But when you're working with these clients and there is a debt situation, isn't it important for them to be on the same page of, look, mm-hmm. you know what? I know going out's important to you. Um, I, it's easy for me not to go out, but we're, we got a hundred grand here yeah. that we want to, we both agree is, uh, weighing on the relationship and the pressures that we're having. And we're having to make choices based on, we have this hundred grand to pay off. Mm-hmm. Like, don't you have to navigate some of that? Absolutely. And and honestly, with couples, it starts with, you You know, I tell people a lot, you've got to just come together and you've got to even talk about what are your dreams? What are your goals? What do you want the, your family's legacy to be? And just start there. And oftentimes, um, no one no one ever comes out of that and says, you know, I'd love for us to have $200,000 of debt. We need more years. debt. And so... A hundred's not enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Well, I'll tell you, a hundred grand or even 50 grand in either direction can make all the difference in the world in your family tree for the next that's it how many generations that's it either either eating up resources or accumulating you know the greatest wonder of the world compound interest right that's it i mean yeah. that 50 grand is a big much bigger number than people might realize yeah ab- absolutely absolutely and so um, that's where it starts though. I mean, you, if if a co- especially with a couple if they're not aligned on where they want to go with this they're going to be pulling in two different directions and that debt's going to stick around for longer and longer and longer. But you don't so. want to be debt-free and have an unhappy wife either. And so if she's the one that would like to go out and eat some, you got to build You got to build all that in, right? Absolutely. And that's. I think that is a, a big misnomer of folks who teach this stuff is, oh, you're just, a, you're just cheap. You just want to save all the money and not do anything fun. But again, I just use the diet example. If you're eating nothing but you know, salad every day, all day. Eventually, like the third Friday from now, you're just going to get a tub of ice cream and just go crazy. <laughs> right. And so you've got to build in some of that. You, you, you absolutely have to. It just, it's not sustainable. And this is, you know, for a lot of people who are paying off debt, this isn't a two-month game. This is a two-year, a three-year, a four-year thing. So you've got to make it sustainable. And that's what you're trying to teach, though, ultimately, is to not make this an event. This is You're trying to change that so it's a lifestyle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which makes this hard, um, you know, because you're having to undo decades of, you know, I, well, my mom and my dad handled money this way. And, well, I handled money this way as a single adult or, you know, it, there's a lot of stuff you have to unpack and it, you, you're changing. You're having to change the mindset of 20, 30, 40 years. Well, um, you know, it's February now, so um, it's too late to start for 2018. <laughs> but for the people who want to start in 2019, <laughs> right. is it yeah. now a good time to start a budget or when can you start? Just have fun it? for the next 10 months just wait, and then, and then wait, figure the, it out. It's year. a January thing, right? It's yeah. not something you can do after January. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I say, you know what? You've got uh, March coming up. <laughs> what, what is it? You know, it might take you 10 or 15 mm. minutes. Jot down what you, what you want to do for March. So that's the first. The first step for the advice you typically give people is what? The first thing that, to do is to just start keeping track of where you're spending money. Yep, absolutely. Start keeping track. And then what that's going to do is give you, okay, this is where we're actually at. And then the next phase of that is a budget's just a plan. Um, some people hear the word budget and they like tense up and it's you know, it feels restrictive. But I like to repurpose that word. A budget is just you telling it what to do. The, uh, you can tell a budget, I want to blow every dollar. You can tell a budget, I want to save every dollar. So mm-hmm. you should feel empowered to make that budget whatever you want it to be versus letting it feel restrictive. Because, but some people just, they don't keep track so that they, they just spend what they got. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is very unrestricted. And they may not even know it because a lot of the times they're not pulling paper dollars out of their pocket. They're mm-hmm. they're swiping a phone over a thing or handing somebody a credit card. I mean, is that true? To, for, yeah. I, should, I shouldn't say they. I should say me. Personally, I'm on top of it more if I pull paper dollars out of my hip pocket. Mm-hmm. And and if it's if I make a mistake and buy something I shouldn't have, it's done. Mm-hmm. Whereas the plastic can add up on me in a hurry. Is that the other people falling in the same trap? Yeah, and there's been studies done. I don't know the exact numbers on it, but they but I remember a study, and I think it was somebody who was consulting for McDonald's, but they were one of the first fast food restaurants to put uh, credit card readers in a restaurant because they realized that people actually spent. I wish I remember the percentage, but X percent more. Oh, you know, oh, you know, I, I want to buy that ice cream for my buddy or I want to get this. Um, but if you have hard cash, it's like, oh, I kind of want to hold on to that a little bit, a mm-hmm. little bit more. Um, so it's absolutely true. And I, and what I found is if you track, that can take um, almost the place of feeling that pain of spending cash because you're, you're having to stay accountable to it at some point. Well, it gives time. you the power to at least make your own decisions. Absolutely. Okay, look, you know, I spent. $300 on wine last month, and um, I'm okay with that. There you go. Right, but you get to make that decision as opposed to not knowing where 200 of that 300 went. And you're like, oh my God, we mm-hmm. bought that much wine. I don't even like wine. <laughs> right? It could yeah. go with, so I, I, you're doing the Lord's work on this, on this helping people who are in trouble. Mm-hmm. The next question for me is, why are they getting in trouble? Why can't we do something, people of your skills that are willing to do, invest the time and energy? Mm-hmm. That you, can't we get to people earlier in the cycle before they get in this kind of trouble? Yeah. I mean, uh, if you think about it, if someone's coming into college these days, um, now, and I will say this, Georgia is fantastic with the, the Hope Scholarship and a lot of the different things they offer here. For the average person coming into college, if their parents haven't saved adequately or saved up for college expenses, there's really, the, the only option is to take student loans out or, because um, oftentimes, you know, you can't always work to pay for that much. You can pay for a chunk of it if you want to work hard and, you know, work a lot of part-time jobs. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And I, I actually just did an interview with UGA's newspaper of helping college kids realize just because you don't have a lot of income, you can still budget. You can still get on track of this thing, on top of this thing. So and that's your advice for young people is to kind of attack this early on before, you know, you're out in the workforce? Yeah, at least start to get the habits correct and build the foundation. Yeah, and I'd even go even a step further. If you've got teenagers, you know, if you and if you're giving them an allowance, build them into the process. If they want to save up for a car, maybe say, okay, if you save this amount, we as your parents will chip in X percent. If you mm-hmm. save up half, we'll contribute half, and you've built that muscle of, uh, you know, that the discipline of saving and and not just purchasing right when you have the cash in your hand at a young age. So now, um, your perfect client uh, for this type of work is who? Like, what's the pain? Are they in debt? Is it too late? Or like, can they, can you get them early? When do you like to start working with a client? Yeah, I. That's a. It's a great question. I really, I enjoy working with with everyone. I would say who I really enjoy working with though are people in their twenties or early thirties. Mm-hmm. There's a. Uh, they just have a tendency to be open and willing to make change or to actually, you know, do the change. Um, and not to say that folks who, who are a little older than that aren't likely to make the change, but it's just a little bit harder. You know, right. they don't have that many bad habits yet. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, uh, again, with, with social media, the opposite can have that. The, we talked about earlier, you know, you can see somebody and you want what they have. 
but it can also drive people to be motivated to say, I want to be able to save money so I can do those things. So mm -hmm. it can have that opposite effect. So for you, you want that person that uh, if they are struggling with a little um, um, financial aid debt, the student loan debt, mm -hmm. that's a good prospect for you because yeah. you feel like you can really make an impact and, and really give them the skills in order to get out of that debt. Yeah. I would say the three big things uh, that I work with are people's student loans, credit cards, and car notes, mm -hmm. um, or just people who just spend everything they have. They have no debt, but they're, they just, they just, they're not getting ahead. Exactly. Exactly. So do you actually have prospects like the rest of us or are people, is your phone ringing off the hook? Are people <laughs> knocking down? You know, because a lot of us in the business world, mm -hmm. you know, we try to practice our craft. We try to get good at it, but we also have to go get business. Yeah. Do you, do you still, is there a sales and marketing component to your world or they're just coming to you now? I, no, they not. Well, I've just started. So Money Path is a relatively new uh, business that I started. So it's about four, uh, four or five months old now. And it actually took a little bit of time to get the first few clients. Um, but what I've seen now is that it kind of just took off at the beginning of the year, which people are starting to rethink about, you know, think about it again. And, oh, I want to make changes at the beginning of the year. Um, what I've seen has been my best marketing and strategy and sales strategy is to share stories of people who have done this. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been one of the things I've tried to do is be transparent and open and honest about my story. Um, and just my experience with it. And then just some people that I worked with previously before starting the company that I just helped out for free and just, you know, as a friends and family kind of thing. I'm trying to share their stories and just say, hey, other people have done this. It's possible. And then for you doing it, um, is this something they have to work with you for the rest of their life? Or is this something that you just give them some skills and it's like a 90 day engagement to get them on the right track yeah. and you're checking in or is this like every day I got to call you? Like yeah. how's it work? So I actually would love if I could work myself out of every client. I, I hope they never have to call me ever again. I would love for that to be the case. Um, how I typically, how it typically works is I'll work with clients for a number of sessions and it really just depends on the situation. So if someone has debt, um, it might be three or four sessions. If someone just wants to get on a budget, it might be one or two. And then what I do is I have an accountability partner uh, service. So that's what I'm calling it. And every month, I'll check in with you once a week or once every two weeks with either a video call or a text or an email, just saying, okay, we set up this goal when we met in, this, in our past session. What progress have you made on it? Mm -hmm. in, in my work with the, the clients that I've worked with so far, just over the past four or so years, I've seen the number one reason people stay motivated and stay stick to this is if they have accountability in place. Um, and I actually saw a stat. It said 50, you're 50% you're likely to achieve a goal if you write it down. You're 95% likely to achieve a goal if you have regularly scheduled accountability meetings on the calendar, which mm -hmm. that was a very eye-opening stat for me. And then, um, so then you have that service as well. That's a kind of a monthly mm -hmm. uh, fee they would pay you just to kind of keep check in and, Correct. and keep them on track. Correct. Yep. Good stuff. So if somebody wants to learn more, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, you can go to findyourmoneypath.com. And I'm also on all the big social media sites, so Facebook, Instagram, at findyourmoneypath. Mm -hmm. And then instead of pictures of you on vacation, it's just you with your bank statements. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming to hang out with us, man. This is very helpful, very informative. That's and it. I love the idea. Well, there's two things I like. I love the idea of employing a an accountability partner. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I think that you're really tapping into 
some of those just ingrained driving forces. Mm-hmm. If like if Lee's my accountability partner on anything, I don't want to. I don't want our Tuesday call. I don't want to have to tell him I didn't do what I said I was going to do last Tuesday. Yeah. That's got to be very powerful. And I particularly love as a conscious capitalist <laughs> the fact that you that you're providing value for that. Mm-hmm. You're charging a fee for that. They're getting their return for that. And what a terrific piece of a business model to be an accountability partner that's getting a check for being an accountability partner. You should get a check for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's fantastic. Well, thank you. I appreciate (laughs) that.